my heart is that this is a time for us where we can literally come and meet with God. I mean, and, and we, when we say it's pointed at a younger generation, we're going to have a fuller band. We had a couple of our folks who are away, and so we've got a, a full band that's usually going to be doing these things. We're going to try and have encounter nights two times a month. But our heart is that you invite people along that you feel would need a dose of an encounter with Jesus. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit tonight about, I'm just going to turn this amp off. My hope is that we're going to start opening up worship maybe in a completely brand new way for you. So I want to even prep your heart to receive a revelation from God because I don't think it's enough for us to come. Like, you know, when, when you come not expecting, you're probably not going to get it. And so when we come to Encounter Nights, my heart is that we, we bring an expectation that it's, it's not what we do from the front, but just that this is a time set to side to encounter God. And I so appreciate Sunday mornings as well, but I know there's, there's a lot of things that we're doing in Sunday mornings where we've got notices and we've got all sorts of things that we need to get across to folks. And, and there's just such a broad perspective of people that we want to reach out. But on nights like tonight, we want to encounter Jesus and encounter Jesus only with no distractions. So... I just thank you guys for being here. But I just can I encourage you that it only and like I said, if there was only one person here, we would still be going to town. You know, we'd still go after it. If you heard the sermon, the audience of one, it only takes one person. And I think the thing that we're wanting to do is connect to the heart of a generation that's actually wanting to see some stuff happen in the kingdom. Amen. It's it's not enough for me to just be like, I, I can't be a spectator. And I, I can't just sit and I can't, if we're in a position here at a church, our job isn't just to be nice to people. Our job is to transform people's lives from the inside out because that's what Jesus has done for us and we're supposed to bring that to other people. And so if we're connecting to a purpose, we, we've got to connect to it. And I don't care if there's one person that hears the sound, we need to pursue it passionately. Amen. You can tell I'm passionate tonight. But can I just encourage you that it's okay to be verbal back to me as well. I know we're in New Zealand, and I know that's not, like, acceptable culturally to do that. Um, but, but can I encourage you that if you're feeling something, say, that was good. You know, or you, come on. But I'm not saying we have to create a fake culture, but let's create a culture of encouragement where we actually build one another up. And, and we're not going to break through barriers if we're like this. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like. I, I just might start something. And I love that Ben is here. I'm going to get Ben to come up and he'll take us to church, you know. So my, my heart is, can we actually get excited about Jesus who is so, like, there, there is something there that's worth getting excited about. Amen. Like, if, if we're in church and we're sitting and we're singing a nice song, I would submit to you that we haven't connected with the real Jesus to the degree that he wants us to connect with him. Amen. All right, we're going to have some church up in here. Y'all know that I came from a black church in America, right? So <laughs> we're not going to go there, I promise. But I would love to bring some of them down here. I think we would have um, a lot of really interesting emails the next morning if we just let them go for it. But let it be. That's right. So, so tonight, my heart is that, and I'm going to try my very hardest to fit this into an hour because I don't think um, we want to make these go for long. So right at, at 7 o'clock, we'll be done. Um, in the morning. And the, the sermon this morning is in spirit this morning. I'm so used to preaching on Sunday mornings. Yeah, let's get some night church. Um, my, my, my heart for tonight and, and the title of the sermon is, is here. And Luke, if you could put it up on the screen as well, that'd be awesome. Um, but is in spirit and truth. In spirit and truth. And my hope 
is that literally you have a shift in the way that you view worship. I don't think it's enough to come expecting that when we hear the word of God, not the words of Jesse, but the word of God, that we're not transformed from the inside out. Does that make sense? Like, I feel we come to church with an expectation to hear a nice reading from the Bible, and then we go away expecting to be changed. And I don't think that happens. But if you come with an expectation that you're literally going to be transformed by this word, by the word of God that pierces bone and marrow, that's a different thing altogether when you come with that expectation. There we go. I like that. So I want to begin with um, by by reading out um, a passage of scripture, and I'm, I'm sorry that it's lengthy, but it's it's a story, so hopefully it will capture us a little bit more. So I'm reading from John four, verse five. So Jesus came to a, a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. And listen to this, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This is a powerful story, and I'm sorry, that was really long. You guys are like, maybe you checked in and out, but it's a powerful story. This is a powerful story of an encounter with Jesus. If we're interested in learning about Jesus, this story isn't for you because this is an encounter with him directly. And I don't think it's an encounter for um, just this woman and Jesus, but I think there's some really amazing things that we can pull out of it. If, if you're interested in encountering Jesus, I think we press into this story and hear what it has to say. The title tonight is In Spirit and Truth. In Spirit and Truth. And I hope that we get a picture of what worship is. But I, I just wanted to, to lay a very brief foundation of, of what worship is. Um, 
and and I was listening to Bethel podcasts, and they break down like the the six different words of worship, and they like open it up, and I just don't have that experience behind me and that depth to do that. But I'm just going to crack the surface of a basis of worship for us. So the the word worship literally means to to in this in this passage to worship, to show reverence, to pay homage, or to kneel down before someone. And I was thinking about this whole concept just of those things, to kneel down before someone, to show reverence, to pay homage. And I, I was trying to look at what happens in a normal church service and, and compare what the actual definition looks like. And so I'm, I'm going to just open this up a little bit. And what I mean by this is, is I think the term worship for us in general is a little bit confusing. Because I think in our minds, sometimes worship is just that period of the, 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 the service, or even today. Like, you know, it's just that, that period where we sing some songs to God and we give him glory. But I want to dig a little bit deeper because I just don't think the concept of worship has really pierced our hearts of what that really is. Because those things that I just described, we don't naturally do today. We don't go to your neighbor and kneel down before him and say, you know, hi, thou neighbor. You know, like you just you don't go and show reverence to the to the clerk at the grocery store. You know, like these aren't natural things that we do in our everyday life. They used to be used to have to call the king and queen your worship. You used to have to kneel down. So they had a sense a little bit more of what worship was. But I was trying to think, when is a time that I've actually expressed that kind of definition in a relationship here on earth? Because I think that's going to give us a gateway into what worship actually might be or what it might be getting closer to worship. Not just calmly singing some songs really nice and maybe we hit a sweet harmony line and we're like, man, I, I nailed that one, you know? And then you kind of move on and like, that's not worship, right? But the time that I remembered when I exhibited some behavior like this was when I, um, I kneeled down before Angie to propose. I thought of a time, when did I exhibit some behavior like this is describing what worship is? And it was when I kneeled down to propose to Angie. And, and that moment is like in my head, like really, really clear. It was a powerful moment. And there was some sovereignty in that moment. It was just, there was some things happening in that moment that I will never forget. There was an intimacy that we experienced that I mean, I don't want to experience with one of my friends, you know, but like I don't ask my friends to marry me, right? But that is what is, I think, a lot closer to worship than what we often do and what we bring before God. Meaning the level of relationship that I had and my actions weren't birthed out of a duty, but it was birthed out of a response that I had of intimacy with this person that that I kneeled down. So my my physical body represented the heart condition and the connection that I was having with Angie. Worship isn't coming on a Sunday morning and singing through some songs. You might be touching pieces of worship, but I love this. I'm going to jump to there now. But worship isn't worship until you've had a revelation of God. And a revelation of God isn't you're really, really nice, Jesus, and like you're the man, dude. And we're going to go into what a revelation of God looks like in a moment in this story. But if I can just paint the picture that can we transition worship from being a nice thing to singing songs to being much more like a moment where you're kneeling down and proposing to your spouse, somebody that you love probably more than anyone else in the world. That is what an expression of worship is. And I would suggest that we need to pursue. 
Do any of you like people watching? I like people watching even now. Like, I like to watch people's reactions, what they're doing, what they're thinking, you know, the way that they sit, the way that they receive. You know, I like the grimaces. Like, I don't believe, you know, like, it's, it's, it's fun for me to watch people in any scenario. You get to see how they interact. You know, I see Pete and Gary in the way that they sit with one another, and then I see my brother and Angie the way they sit with one another. But the way that we interact with different people kind of, kind of tells a lot about ourselves, and I, I look, and you know, when you're in an airport and you watch how these people are interacting with one another, like you can tell who's strangers because you're like, they're usually pretty polite and like, you don't tell them a whole lot, you know, like if a stranger gets too chatty, you kind of think there might be a bit of a, you know, like you don't trust them. You're saying, okay, I'm going to move along, you know, um, if you can see friends because friends, they might be really jovial, but they're not going like deep, deep, you know, and then you can tell when there's like a family. So there's, there's this husband and, and spouse and you can see their interactions. Sometimes they're too transparent with one another. You see them fighting with one another or kids, you know, you, there's a transparency that you can see and there's a comfort level that you see with them. But where I'm going with this is different levels of transparency and comfort that you have with different people. And I think too often we come before God as if he's a distant acquaintance. And that's what our interaction looks like when we come together and we tick off our box of worship. That, yep, I've engaged with God and I've worshiped. And I would submit that it needs to be just what we were just talking about, getting down on one knee and that kind of a moment before him. Jesus says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And I'm going to take away all the fancy wording of what spirit means. And spirit literally just means the core of who you are, the absolute core of who you are. So God says, you, and this isn't like a suggestion, like it would be super cool if you would worship me in spirit and truth. He says, you must worship me in spirit and truth. That means that you have to worship him at, to the core of who you are. The core of who you are needs to worship him. I sometimes think we give him like the, like the very external part of, of worship to him. The core of who you are. So let's just go back to this encounter with Jesus at the well. So Jesus tells the woman, he says, I've got this living water that's never going to run dry. He begins by offering living water. And I believe that he begins that with you as well in worship. The first thing that he does is say, I'm going to begin by offering you this living water. And then I love the woman's response immediately. She's really practical. She's like, you don't have a bucket. So it's going to be really hard for you to get some water, Jesus. And I think a lot of us have some really practical responses. Well, I don't really think you can give me this living water, but like, okay, we'll get over it. She finally gets over her, her, her excuses. And and she asks for this living water. And that's kind of step number two, right? Jesus is offering the water. And so she asks for the water. And Jesus' response begins with a request. He asks the woman, can you bring your husband here? And she responds, I have no husband. And then this is where Jesus affirms her. And I'm going to come back to this in a second. But this is the point where Jesus says, what you have said is true. Remember, we're going to worship Jesus in spirit and truth. And this is the part that he affirms her in this encounter that they have. But then she goes ahead and, and he like he he puts her like her personal property like out there. This is true. You you don't have a husband right now. You've had five husbands and the one that you currently have isn't even your husband right now. What you've said is true. And then she's like, I perceive you to be a prophet. And then she goes and talks about something else. She redirects that conversation very quickly. 
But she says, and she starts talking about the place of worship. And could I submit to you that sometimes we might relegate the style of worship or the place of worship as more important than getting to the heart issues because it's way easier to deal with. I don't like this preference of worship or this isn't my style or I don't like this location, whatever it is. It's a lot easier to rest in that place than it is to open yourself up to Jesus who's piercing the very heart of what you carry. So look at Jesus' response when she starts talking about the place of worship and some external things. She said, he says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So just to kind of recap this encounter, Jesus engages the conversation with an offer of living water. The woman has excuses why she doesn't think it's possible, and she eventually responds to this offer. And I believe many of us get to this point. Many of us, if we're in this room, we're probably like, yeah, Jesus, like, give me your living water. I'll sit through a couple services to try and find it. Like, give me your living water. But I also believe that many of us stop right here and often don't receive the water that he's offering. Because Jesus presents her with a request. He says, can you bring your husband here? And I I wonder how many of us that when we're kind of expecting the living water to be poured out onto us, when we're saying, God, can I have the living water right now, please? But that's not where he goes immediately because there's something that has to happen before he can pour out that living water on you. Worship only becomes worship when you have a revelation of who God is. And that revelation is only possible if we worship in spirit and in truth. And I think the step that we don't go to oftentimes is we don't say the equivalent of I have no husband. We don't go to that place with him because we've relegated worship to being a space where we just tell God you're really nice. And what he's saying is, I have living water where you're never going to run dry. You're never going to be lacking. Like, can you imagine people that weren't lacking, that walked with that kind of never run dry thing going on in them? That's a powerful picture. And I believe that many Christians are dried up. And I think they've asked for water, but they haven't received it. Because I think they haven't been worshiping in spirit and in truth. The thing about water is that it only waters, it only works if you water the thing that needs watering. Worship, the, it works that if you come to him when worship and you don't present to him the thing that needs watering, that thing isn't going to get watered. Worshiping him in spirit and in truth is you worshiping him to the very core of who you are And this isn't just like, Jesus, you're so nice. This is like when I got down on my one knee before Angie. So that's the first step. Worship in spirit, the core of who you are, and intimacy and transparency that only happens at your very core. And then in truth, you bring the reality of your situation and you present it before him. So my question this morning is, what is your I have no husband that you need to bring before Jesus in worship? I might have just said this morning, but it's nighttime. I, I so believe, I mean, in this passage of scripture, it even says that Jesus is seeking after worshipers in spirit and in truth. He's, I think we sometimes get so discouraged because we're like, God, I, I, 
I've got these problems. I suffer with this depression. I suffer with this thing that I can't get over. I have a problem that I can't resolve. I have an addiction that I think is like, okay, and it's manageable sometimes, but not at other times. I hate, I have very low self-esteem sometimes, and I'm okay sometimes. I'm suicidal at sometimes. Lord, I despair of hope sometimes. But those aren't the things that we bring to him in worship. We bring to him in worship a facade of ourselves that just says, Jesus, you're great. And we go home and we live in the same things that have been bothering us, the same things that have been plaguing us. And we wonder why we're not getting changed. Yes, sir. But hear, hear my heart. I mean, I'm passionate. And this is a way that I can, can contribute in a, in a sense of passion, but there's a sense of urgency because I believe there are Christians that are dried up. There are people that aren't experiencing his living water. And I don't, I believe it's because they're not worshiping in spirit and in truth. I just, if I could paint a picture for you, I, my hope is that on a Sunday morning, we would see people on their knees bawling. We would see people jumping up and down in joy, not because I like those things, but because God is able to minister to the thing that they've been addicted to for 20 years. That God is able to minister to the death of a lost child. I mean, I don't know where you've been. I've had a hard life. I've had horrible things happen in my life. But I'm so blessed and I've let God minister to me in those things. And that's why I can come up and passionately say, if you worship in spirit and truth, you can carry something that is going to influence and impact others. I feel like preaching. I think, and this is just a picture, and I don't even know where we're at for time. It's too dark to even see the clock, but let me just check. Cool, we're cool. I, I, I think about this. Like, if you've cheated on your spouse, and then you want to go have a really nice romantic dinner with them, things are going to be a little bit not as romantic, probably, as you would like them. Or it doesn't have to be as dramatic as cheating. Maybe you've lied to your spouse. Maybe you've done something like that. Maybe it's boyfriend, girlfriend. You lied to them and you want to take them out to a nice romantic dinner. But that dinner is diminished by what you haven't disclosed. And I think the West, I'll say the Western church because I love CFUH. This is nothing against CFUH. This is just church in general, opening our hearts up to spirit and truth. That I think that when we bring our worship, the experience doesn't we don't have an encounter with Jesus like we hope because there's things we haven't disclosed there's there's compartments of our life that when he prompts us and he's saying hey can you bring your husband over here or like hey what's in the bottom drawer of that like thing in the back of your room and you're in worship you're like god i'm trying to worship you don't I, don't go there right now or why have you been so harsh with your wife or wh- why do you carry around so much bitterness around this thing When he starts to prompt you in worship, because remember, the invitation starts, do you want living water? What comes next is, ah, you've got excuses. The next thing is, God, give me the living water. And then he doesn't pour out the living water. He asks you something. He prompts you to open up and come to him in spirit and truth, the core of who you are, and you have to bring the truth of the matter before him. And the the last thing, I'm going to have Angie and Andy come back up. Um, and I want them to sing the last song again, but before we sing it, can I just open it up a little bit for you so that we have a chance to respond to this? So that song that they sang, saying, you give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness. Can we not just sing this really nice and feel great about God that he has a potential to change somebody's life somewhere else? But can you right now think what in your life is currently in darkness.
What needs light shown on it? You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness. In this moment of worship that we're about to engage in, can you open up your heart and say, when Jesus says, where's your husband? Or whatever the equivalent of that question is, you actually open up yourself and you're saying, God, at the core of who I am, I can't keep just... I can't keep having a wall up between me and you that keeps me really safe so I don't have to touch the pain or don't have to touch the embarrassment or don't have to touch the shame, whatever it is. He can't minister to you. He can't change you. He can't transform you if you don't come to him in spirit and in truth. Don't just sing the words, but let him minister to you. Let, let him do that in worship. Worship isn't about our efforts to give him nice things. Worship is about him transforming our lives. I, I don't understand when people say worship is like a girly thing or worship is this thing. I'm like, man, there's nothing more manly than standing up before God and saying, I have this issue that I can't push past God. I need some help. I, worship transforms you. God, I've been bullied since I was this age. I, I, I feel worthless. I'm bringing this before you. Man, I, we talk about transformation, but we're not willing to, to be vulnerable and transparent enough before God to come to an in spirit and in truth to let him pour the living water on us. And can I tell you that his desire is to pour living water on you like you've never experienced. To, to water that never runs dry. The next, the next verse, you give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. What in your life right now is broken? What needs hope and that needs restoration? If you don't need any of those things, then you should be shouting in praise because God has already resolved those things in you. But if you have anything that is broken, if you have anything that needs restoration, in worship is where you need to take care of those things. Because can I tell you that you have people that you need to do the same thing for, that God has mantled you to walk through something. It's, it's not just for ourselves like we're talking about this morning. It's not that we come and have this self-help clinic where we feel amazing about ourselves and we resolve all of our problems. But it's that he can pour living water on you so that you can take that living water and offer it to people that you're walking with. Your kids that aren't born yet. Your, your parents that you haven't engaged with yet. This, this stuff isn't just like light. And why I'm so passionate and why I do this if there's only one person coming. Because this matters. This stuff is like for real. You know what I mean? You can tell my passion is coming through. Can I just invite you as we sing, and we're going to close. We'll let them close, but bring that before him so in spirit and truth he can start breathing life to that. And when you sing, great are you, Lord, it's not just like, man, God, you're awesome. I'm going to see you later. But you're recognizing that he actually is great and that he can do all of those things and that you start to understand that when when you've opened up yourself in spirit and truth, he actually starts ministering that greatness to you, that he actually can transform you. The issue is that we don't believe that he can transform us. The issue is that we think we're actually stuck where we are, but he's saying, I'm seeking people to worship me in spirit and in truth. So if you could just join with them as they sing, but open your hearts, come to them in spirit and in truth. And as they're done, we are free to leave. But bless you heaps for coming. But let us worship in spirit and in truth.